0: so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come.
1: While the children are leaving and some of our volunteers are taking their seats, Um, before we begin our time of prayer and our time of communion with the Lord through the Lord's Supper, I just wanted to point out really one thing from this passage that Matt read for us earlier. I know some of you find it hard to believe that this isn't going to be a full sermon, uh, but it really isn't. Um, We have read verses 23 through 26 many times. I always read that when we partake in the Lord's Supper. Um, I wanted Matt to read the full context, the paragraph before and the paragraph after, because I wanted us to notice the tone of this section. Did you notice the tone of it when Matt read it? It's a chastising tone. Uh, Paul is writing to a very troubled church. Let me read just that first paragraph to you again. In the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. Chapter of scripture, really. And then right after that is the, is the more famous paragraph that we always read where he says, you know, I have delivered to you what I received. And he starts talking about the elements of the supper. Um, I point this out because I want you to see how troubled the early church was. They, when they came together, it did them more damage than it did them good. They were better off not even coming together. There were divisions in the church. It was hard to tell who was genuine and who was being false. There was selfishness in the Corinthian church toward each other and toward those who were more needy. You know, I think we in the modern church can sometimes look back on the early church and think, man, if we could just be more like the early church. It was so simple back then, and they were all pure, and they loved Jesus, and there was no trouble But that's just not the case. The church has always been a mess. And that's why we need Jesus in the first place. If the church was just awesome and perfect, we would have no need for a beaten and bloody and crucified Savior. See, we need this. We don't need the bread and the grape juice, but we need to remember our need for Jesus Christ we're a mess. The Corinthian church was a mess. We each as individuals are messes. And we come together to the one who can solve all of it, who can fix us, who can save us, who can forgive us. So this is really important what we're about to partake in. It's really good for us. We we come taking comfort in in just the, the fact that God knew about our imperfection. And we come and we look backward at his death on our behalf so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be restored. And we come looking forward to his return in anticipation when he'll consummate everything and and the sanctification process will be made complete and we'll be like him. And we come looking inward. And that's what Paul prescribed as he was addressing this messed up church. He explains, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same for the drink. But then in the last paragraph that Matt read, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So we... We come together to the elements as Christians, as sinners saved by the Savior. And we come looking backwards to his death and forwards to his return and inward to examine ourselves to see whether we're worthy of partaking these elements. Now, I want to make sure you understand what this means, to be worthy. Because in, in just a few seconds... I'm going to invite Lee to come forward. Lee is going to serve with me at the table as you come through, and the deacons will be serving, and Jam will be playing, and we'll begin. And you'll have time for prayer and and self-examination and reflection. and uh, You'll need to decide if you should this morning come forward and partake of the elements or if you should abstain. Now, in any given gathering of the church, some should partake in the elements, and some should not. I really believe in any given group at the Lord's Supper, not everyone should partake in the elements because some are worthy and some are not worthy. But I need to make sure you understand what the difference is between the worthy and the unworthy. The worthy are not the ones who are awesome, and the unworthy are the ones who are losers. The worthy are the ones who have received what Jesus has done for them and who have accepted the forgiveness and the cleansing and have been renewed by it, who who understand that they're coming humbly, not offering their own righteousness, but receiving Jesus' righteousness. That's what makes you worthy. So you don't have to be a perfect person to be worthy to partake of the elements. You have to have received Jesus' gift of salvation the, from the perfect person. Okay. So, But there are some who are unworthy. Now that's a harsh word, but that's the word scripture uses, so that's what I'll use too. There's a couple of reasons that that might be the case for you. It might be the case that you have never received forgiveness and cleansing and salvation from Jesus Christ. It may be that you know a lot about him. It may be that you have experience in church, but that you've never just given over all of your sin and all of your need and received from him salvation and grace and forgiveness. Okay, now if that is you... I just want to encourage you to consider the gospel. That on our own, we are far more wicked than we ever dared to believe. But if we'll receive from Jesus the free gift of salvation, we're more loved and forgiven than we ever dared to dream or hope. And if that's you, and you're making that decision for the first time today, which I know you're thinking, we've all been to church together for 50 years, it could still be you. If that's you, let taking communion this morning be your first step of obedience as a Christian and talk to me afterward, okay? That would be awesome. Now, there's another scenario. Maybe you have received forgiveness from Christ. You are a Christian, uh, but you have unrepentant sin in your life. Okay, now we, we all sin, but sometimes we sin and we harden our hearts and try to justify it or try to ignore it, and try to live in it, that okay, you should not come to the table with unrepentant sin in your life. Okay, it, I don't fully understand it, but the Scripture says very plainly, doing that, that is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. I don't fully understand it, but Scripture says, there's something powerful about coming to the Lord's table. Don't come to the table with unrepentant sin in your life. Now, what you may do is use our prayer time to pray through repentance if you're feeling convicted of some specific sin. And if you feel as though you, you have repented in your pew, you may come forward. But if there's steps you know you need to take, which brings me to my third category, if there's relationships that, you, that are fractured because of your sin, you need to wait. You need to not come forward and partake of the elements this morning. Okay, you need to wait until you've had a chance to go and, and try to ask for forgiveness and confess your sin and hopefully receive forgiveness and be restored to your brother or sister in Christ, whatever the case may be. Okay, Now, if that is you, I don't want you to feel blackballed and, and judged. Uh, I do fully expect there will be some that should not partake today. Now, if that's you, you're free to remain in your pew. When when the deacon releases your pew, you can just remain seated. Or you can come forward with your pew and pray, and then just, you don't have to take the elements, just come on back through and be seated when you're ready. Um, No one is going to judge you, except those who are worse off than you, because they're self-righteous, and they think they have no sin. And if they judge you, what do you care? (laughs) This is not a place for judgment. This is a place for humility. This is a place for for prayer. This is a place for leaning on Jesus, whom we all need desperately. Me, first and foremost, I, I have I have pride that's probably working itself out right now because I'm standing up here talking, and that's sin, okay? So don't fear judgment. Fear the Lord. Our time now is between each of us as individuals and the Lord, okay? So, with all that being said, I'm going to pray for us, just to ask God's blessing on our time. And then I'm going to ask Jan to begin playing. And I'm going to read the words of Scripture as I break the bread and pour the cup with Levisabi, and then we'll begin. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we come to a service like this and realize how needy we are. And how absolutely glorious and sufficient for all of our needs Jesus is. So we don't come to this table as perfect people. We come looking to the perfect one. Please use this quiet time that we're going to have together in prayer. Please use that with your Holy Spirit. I just ask that you would search our hearts. Reveal sin that we don't know, that we're not aware of, or we don't see clearly. Convict us of it. Make it inescapable to us so that we can repent, so that we can turn and change and move forward as Christians. Make plain to us where we stand with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.